Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Dan Beeler from the original Exciter, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal podcast. Before we get into the episode featuring Dan Beeler of Exciter, I want to tell you about a concert that's happening down here in New York City in March. It's the Defenders of the Old Festival, and the lineup is just getting better and better by the day. Of course, Exciter playing their first show on U.S. soil in 30 years with the original threesome. This is going to be a historic event, in my opinion. I cannot wait for it. We also have The Rods with Carl Kennedy and the guys playing. Riot, High Spirits, Destructor, Machine of War, Aggression from Canada, October 31, Magic Circle, and that's only some of the bands, guys. The list goes on and on. It's going to be a great two days, March 13th and 14th, 2015, at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, New York City. And, man, what metalhead who lives in the New York area would miss this? I, I mean, not a true metalhead, that's for sure. I will be there. I will see you there. Let's rock out. Let's party. Let's have a good time at the Defenders of the Old Festival 3. March 13th and 14th, 2015, in Brooklyn, New York. Now, let's get into the episode. Our theme song, as you guys know, it's kind of become our theme song, is Which Way to Radioland by Sean Baker Orchestra. It always opens up our shows. Not always, but most of the time. And here it is. And then I'll start talking over top of it, like I usually do. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. On today's episode, we have an interview with Dan Beeler from Exciter. He is back in Exciter after a long absence and cannot wait to talk to him about his return to the band, about his performance that's coming up in New York City, and about the just the history of this legendary heavy metal band that really was so influential and so important in the early history of heavy metal, kind of helping metal turn the tide from that 70s sound to a new sound in the 80s that was created by bands like Exciter, Metallica, Merciful Fate, Megadeth, and many more. Exciter was definitely one of those bands, definitely an important band in the history of heavy metal. And uh, it's been great to have John Ricci on the the podcast i think he's been on two times in the last couple years and now dan beeler a guy who's never been on so that's awesome i I really get a kick out of you know we're 505 episodes in here and i'm still getting people that we've never spoken to before we had jolyn turner on if you haven't heard that that's a great interview go back that was last episode and this week yeah dan beeler 
Let's get into a little exciter right now on the podcast, Born to Die.
little exciter here on Talking Metal. I am on my way to Las Vegas, leaving in less than 24 hours. I'm recording this on Friday, March 21st. Tomorrow I will be in Vegas, hopefully, if all goes as planned, seeing Kiss at the Hard Rock Cafe with my wife, Emily. And then we're gonna, we have tickets to uh, see Red Dragon Cartel Sunday night at Vamps. The tickets were $10 for Red Dragon Cartel. The tickets for Kiss, 270 bucks each. And we are sitting right up front. So big difference in ticket prices for Red Dragon Cartel and Kiss. Hope to see Joey from the Rock Strikes 10 podcast while I'm out there. I know he's going out to the show too, so that should be fun. And without further ado, let's get into my interview featuring Dan Bueller of Exciter. Hey, this is Mark Striegel, and on the line, we have the one and only, from Exciter, Dan Beeler. Dan, how are you tonight? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm excited to talk with you. I want to talk to you all about Exciter. I want to talk to you about the early days of Exciter. But first, let's talk about your return to the band. It was announced, I guess, earlier this year that the original three members of Exciter were finally reuniting after all this time how did this all come about well um it, it just uh came about out of the blue really it was never anything we planned i mean i'm in constant contact with al and always have been and we discussed it over the years many times but it was just something we thought was never going to happen and uh some stuff went down with john and his old band and that and uh I don't really want to get into that too much, but when that fell apart, um, I went to John because uh, I, I heard they were going on with the name, and uh, I just thought it was strange that uh, not an original member was in the band with Exciter. So anyways, um, I went and talked to John and um, got the story, and I just looked at him and I said, you know, the three of us are still alive, man, and uh, if you ever want to go for it. And a couple of weeks after that, we uh, sat down and had a meeting, and uh, it was it was born. It's nothing that we called each other and planned or anything. It was just uh, out of chance. But um, it's pretty cool. We're uh, we're all very excited about it. Now, was there a lot of stuff that you guys had to sort out, like issues from the past, before you decided to move forward, or did you kind of just leave no, everything really, behind no. and move forward? Yeah, it was very easy to leave everything behind. The, the first meeting we had, the three of us, 
since 85 in the same room. We had some beers and we were laughing and talking. And, you know, most of the shit that we thought about near the end was more schoolyard shit and stupid stuff we can't even remember. And, you know, we were a lot younger and um, it was just uh, nothing we really had to work out. Um, we just said, are we going to do it or are we not? And then we said, yes, we're going to do it. And we just told old stories. And um, um, we got together in 79 and Heavy Metal Maniac came out in 83. So there was a lot of rehearsing and a lot of playing and a lot of gigs before we took off with the first album. And then right up till 85, we spent a lot of time together and it wasn't all bad, you know. Um, so uh, it's back to the way it was in the beginning and everything's going pretty pretty calm and pretty easy. And we're all, we were always on the same page, either on stage or, uh, you know, recording, writing or whatever when it comes to the music. So uh, we're having a great time. Now, did you say you guys had, hadn't, the three of you, hadn't been all together in the same room since 1985? That's right. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's um, crazy. It's pretty crazy, yeah. It's, uh, um, the last thing we did was um, Megadeth opened for us on their first tour, and we went right across the States with Long Live the Loud and came up to Vancouver, and that was it. And, uh, of course, Al and I went on, but... Uh, and all the rest of the history. But that was the first time the three of us had ever played together since that last gig with Megadeth in 85. So it was pretty wild. And the band went through a lot of different lineup changes, uh, but it was you three guys who were the the three who delivered those first three albums that have really yeah. just become such heavy metal classics. Let's let's go back and, and talk a little bit about about those. The first record, as you mentioned, came out in 1983, Heavy Metal Maniac, uh, a, a record that came out, I believe, before Metallica's Kill 'Em All. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. We um, we wrote it and recorded it in '82. Actually, it was released in '83, but it was all done in uh, um, about half of '82, and. Um, World War Three actually came out on U.S. Metal Volume Two back then um, in in '81, I believe, and that was the first song that took off. But uh, yeah, we were uh, we were we were around in '82, and like I said, it was released in '83. Right. And so we World were going into Ithaca, New York, to do Violence and Force. Metallica was doing Kill 'Em All um, in Rochester. Oh wow! Time. So we were an album ahead of those guys. And as far as the music style that you were doing at that time, you know there were other metal bands out at at that time in 1983, obviously. But what you guys and what Metallica was doing, it seemed like it was something new. It was something fresh. Where did this come from? Obviously, you were influenced by the hard rock and heavy metal of of the 70s. But were you also aware of what was going on with like hardcore and punk? Um, we were, um, yeah, very heavily influenced coming out of the seventies for sure. Um, as heavy as you could get, you know, like Sabbath and we, we were all into old scorpions, which was rare because a lot of people in Canada didn't know a lot of different underground, super heavy bands. And then of course the new wave of Brit British heavy metal that, uh, really influenced us and we just um 
never tried to sound like anybody. I think our influences came out, but we were always just trying to push the limits. And um, John was always adamant about we're going to do it our way. I don't give a fuck who, how, who's doing it, whatever way. We're just we're going to do it this way. And he had this dirty style, and we just pinned everything in the red. And oh, you don't do that in the studio. Well, we do, and we blew every speaker we could possibly. We just took everything to the limit, as heavy and as hard as we could. And I think John Bellrose captured that on Heavy Metal Maniac. It was like a monster. And uh, that's the way from the first day in 1979, we weren't there yet, but it was just, it was monstrous from day one, and we just strive to be more heavy. But we were more on the Sabbath-y style, new wave of British heavy metal. We were obviously aware of punk, but I don't think we ever were influenced by punk or wrote anything around punk. We respected it and went to the shows and stuff, but we never adapted that to to our music uh, like a lot of the other bands. Right, right. Maybe even, you know, you mentioned the whole do-it-yourself attitude and, and just taking things to the extreme, which was kind of a mentality of the, of the punk rock movement of the late 70s, early 80s. Do you think it's possible that just that attitude maybe kind of rubbed off on you guys and even Metallica and some of the British, new wave of British heavy metal bands? Yeah, probably. And uh, a lot for us, too. Like, I was 17 when I joined Exciter. I was 19. And um, it was John's band, and he just had this, you know, he'd pound his fist down and, hey, John, why don't you try these chords? Because everybody else does those chords. I'm going to do it this way. And no, we're going to do it this way, and I'm going to do it different. And, you know, as crappy as we were in those first couple of years trying to find our way, we always just pushed the envelope and didn't care what anybody else was doing. And it was very rebellious, but it, at the end, uh, John drove us down that road, and uh, we were happy to go. Cool. Now, you mentioned the song World War III, which came out on the uh, compilation record, US, U.S. Metal, right, on Shrapnel, and I'm assuming right. that led the way for the, the full-length Heavy Metal Maniac to come out on Shrapnel. Was Mike Varney um, heavily involved in the production of Heavy Metal Maniac? Um, no, not at all. Um, our sound man, John Bellrose, a good friend of ours, he still is today, um, he, uh, you know, he was doing our live shows like that, and he was the only one that could capture us coming off the stage like that. So we just took it into his parents' basement, and uh, it's eight tracks. And, and back then, what you did was you did a demo, and then you you throw you throw the demo away and do the album for real. And Bella Rose captured it on that demo, and uh, Barney said, "That's what I'm releasing." But other than mastering it in California. Uh, Bellrose and us, whatever, went into the mics, were responsible for the production. Cool. And the second record, Violence and Force, just such an amazing album cover. I mean, the, the songs aside, which are great, Pounding Metal, Violence and Force, I mean, these, the, I was probably about 14, actually younger than that. I was yeah, I, I, I was 14, actually, when that record came out. And I would ride right. my bike to the the record store that had the heavy metal import section, and we would just right. buy records literally off of what the album covers looked like. And Exciter was one of those bands oh. that you always had I such great... 
I yeah, know. they had such great. You guys had such great album covers. I mean, there was the the two hands pushing the door shut. There were the 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 breasts of the you know the the women on the record. And I mean, those helped sell the 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 albums back in those days. Did you guys have a big hand in coming up with those album covers? Well, um, well, we had a hand in it, but actually, it was um, our artist uh, Andy Brown, the guy that actually came up with the slash logo that we still use today. Um, Andy was also a roadie for the band and uh, still is from time to time. It's a long, long relationship, but those were Andy's ideas, and um, uh, you know, we went with it, and uh, and here it was like because we didn't have any money and things like ended up like Spinal Tap and this happened and that happened. You know, I can remember being upset back then. It wasn't Andy's fault, but um, we didn't really like them. And, and, you know, over the years, when you look back, they stand out on their own. They weren't like every other metal cover. But, uh, no, that was all uh, Andy Brown. Right on. And on that second record, Violence and Force, Carl Kennedy was involved in working with you guys on that record, which is a good segue because you guys, Exciter, are going to be playing your first show on U.S. soil as the original three in like 30 years uh, coming up in Brooklyn, New York. I will be there. And, and Carl's also going to be playing with his his band, The Rods. It's going to be a great weekend. I cannot wait for the Defenders of the Old Festival in Brooklyn, New York in March 2015. We will have links up into today's show notes. That's for the listeners. And just wanted to ask you about Carl. Have you been in touch with him much through the years? Um, off and on through the years. He's still a great friend. Um, he, uh, We're pretty excited about that. I mean, you know, just with the history of it. And uh, I'll tell you something. Before he recorded or uh, produced Violence and Force, one of the reasons why we went with Carl was because um, we were huge Rods fans. We could tune in a radio station from Syracuse back then, and that's where we discovered them. And we got all our albums, and uh, we ended up working with them. Um, we were huge fans. So, yeah, through the years, we've been, I haven't seen him in quite a while, but uh, we've remained friends, and there's tons of respect for Carl and the Rods, for sure. Cool. Now, an album that, as a kid, again, was one of my favorites, Long Live the Loud, and so many great songs on that one. Born to Die was always one that I just played over and over. The The song would end, I would lift the needle up, and I'd put it right back on that song. Uh, anyways, what what, ha- what happened after that record that with you with you three? You, you continued on with the band, but uh, John left, and what was, what was that all about? Well, um, yeah, we weren't getting along too well back then, which is really stupid. You know, we should have. We can't change time, but, uh, you know, it's too bad we didn't come back with another album after Long Live Loud and carried on because we were pretty much peaking at that point. But, um, you know, uh, you can't, like I said, you can't go back and change it. But Al and I carried on and did a few more albums with Brian McPhee on guitar. And um, it took the band in a different direction. But, uh, and then um, John and I resurfaced in 1990 and then we did Kill After Kill and uh, the live album. Right. And then, of course, John carried on the band for, you know, 18 years after I left. He actually waited for three years and bugged me for three years. Um, and he begged me and bugged me, and then he finally, I think in 96, he went ahead. And uh, But, you know, he kept the name going, and uh, that's a lot of the reason also why we can come back and play now. People didn't forget the name. 
Well, that's that's real cool of you to say that because I, I mean, you could take the other route and just say, you know, how dare he continue the band without me? So, uh, hats off to oh, you for that. You know, it's funny. You know, these people squabbling over band names and that, and uh, we never tried to steal the name ever from each other. Um, when I went on with Brian and and Al, John never came back. Oh, I own that name, or who the hell owns the name? We didn't even know who owned it. And then um, after. Al and I uh, left Brian, and then John and I got back with Kill After Kill. It's like, oh, the name's there. I'm going to take it. <laughs> and through the years of my own band, Dealer, I had so many people, why don't you go after the name, man? You're the singer. Because John has the name. He's been playing for 18 years. He earned it. And I don't care. You know, if John puts 18 years into it and he's excited, I'm not going to go, hey, man, like, I want that name. So right. the name's never meant a lot to us. It's just you have it and you have it and it's all great. So we laugh about it today. Right on. I wanted to ask you about 1988's release, uh, the the Exciter OTT record. It was a record where you guys definitely, you know, the sound was definitely a little different. And that's partly because you kind of took a step back from the vocals. And for me, as a fan of those first three records, you know, especially, and, and just... All of all of Exciter. One one of the uh, highlights of the band had always been your amazing shriek and and just peel the paint off the ceiling of voice. You know, it was it was so great and unique. Why did you decide at that time that hey, maybe we should bring somebody else in to handle vocals? Oh man, what a huge mistake! I'll tell you, um, we were pressured by the record company to do it, and people. Everybody around us seemed to think, in the industry, seemed to think that, well, if you get that front man, you can go to the next level. It's because you're a singing drummer, and it's like, that's why we're here. Not the only reason, but it was a unique thing. And like you say, for some reason, there's something about my voice that worked for the fans. And um, it's funny you mention that album, because I went in and sang that album, that OTT album, and, and uh, before we got the singer. So we recorded it, and I actually found an old cassette of it, and I listened to that album with me on vocals, and it's a quite different album. It's not the direction we should have been going in, but it, it, with me on vocals, it sounded heavier, and it sounded a little more like unveiling. And I'm, you know, I'm looking back going, why? You know, why did we get a singer? It's like, and then when we did get a singer, I'm playing drums going, I'm not a good enough drummer to just be a drummer. I'm not Neil Peart. I'm not Dave Lombardo. Right. You know, it's like that was the whole thing, singing and drumming. So um, with no disrespect to the other guys on the album, I think for the course of Exciter, it was the wrong thing to do. And uh, when I heard myself sing that OTT album, we should have went that way. That would be an amazing reissue if you guys ever we're going to do that, you know, to release the record with your original vocals. Uh, that would be really great. I don't yeah. know if you still have the master tapes and I know there's very little money in even, even uh, doing I that type of thing. That, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But anyways, you know, you can, like I say, you can't go back and change the past. Um, we, uh, make mistakes and things happen, but, uh, we're back now and, um, it's the way it should be. Like the, it's the original band. It shouldn't have taken this long, but um, you know, it's uh, it's a gift from God that we get a second chance to, to play again. Definitely, definitely. And we're again totally excited to see you down here in New York City. Uh, real quick, uh, 
the band Beeler. You guys were together quite quite a long time. Um, there was only really one major re- release, and that was Message to the Dead. How do you view that record? Yes. It was a great record, by the way. Well, in the in the you know when you look at the file at the end, they have all these Exciter records, um, whoever they're with, and then now of course with the reunion, and you know hopefully we're going to uh, release a, a record next year. Now, um, it stands out as a solo album to me. It doesn't, you know, if I would have put five stand-up and fights and Fire the Banshee and Under Attack on it, it would be just another Exciter album. So, and there was other writers involved, and it was just a little trip we were doing. I tried to be as heavy as I could and right. take my vocals to another limit and drum the best I could. And I guess because there was such a void of me not being there after all those years, Exciter fans that heard the Beeler album, um, it, it didn't sound a lot like the old stuff, you know, because that's what they longed for, I guess. And uh, it's it's very different. I mean, I'm proud of the album, but um, it, it was something that went on over the span of many years, and it was never real super serious. We went around the world and did some shows, and um, it was great playing with those guys, but... Uh, you know, to come full circle back to, to Al and John is uh, it's pretty incredible. Absolutely. And you guys are writing new music now? Yeah, we've been rehearsing so much for the live stuff. We only have uh, two songs on the go, but I have a mountain of stuff. John does too, and Al does too, and we're going to put some time aside uh, pretty soon just to actually write, and it should come together pretty fast. Excellent. Now, you mentioned one of the last shows you guys did as a threesome back in the day in 1985. What, you said that was with Megadeth? Yeah, when we toured Long Live the Land across the U.S., uh, Megadeth opened for us. And uh, that was the last night of the, of the tour, and it was in Vancouver, Canada. And Exodus was on that bill, actually, too. Wow. Excellent yeah. stuff. Any any memories of that tour or that concert playing oh, wow. with those guys? I'll tell you, crazy memories. Um, I don't know how those guys made it across the stage, but uh, a lot of fun times, um, um, a lot of uh, sleepless nights with, with Dave and Dave, and uh, Gar Samuelson was uh, on that tour as well, right. and, and it was just crazy, crazy times, and we were crazy, and um, they had a guitarist named Mike Albert filling on that tour because Chris Poland couldn't make the tour, and uh, yeah, a lot of good times. Um, it was a pretty good bill for the fans, you know, um, having Mustaine, the ex-guitarist for Metallica, um, was pushed as that, you know, and um, I can remember the record company Combat saying, take these guys under your belt. <laughs> wow. You know, it's the first kick tour, and you look back, and it's like, holy Jesus. It's, uh, it's pretty wild, but... Uh, Nothing but respect for those guys. Now, there was a tour that was supposed to happen with you and Metallica, but that never ended up happening. Is that correct? That's right. Um, well, actually, two times we were supposed to play. We were supposed to play the first time Metallica played on the East Coast in Staten Island with Venom. Um, we were supposed to be on that bill, but um, uh, Johnny Z had problems with our immigration stuff at the border, so we couldn't get across the border. And then um, there was a tour booked in 1984 of uh, Britain. Um, I think some shows in uh, in England and Scotland and 
it may be Ireland and it was the rods because the rods were, uh, put, you know, they were a lot bigger than us over there, us and Metallica. So there was a triple bill of the rods, uh, Metallica and us. And, um, the economy was bad at the time. The kids had no money, so the promoters started to pull the pin because of lack of ticket sales. And um, the tour was canceled. Wow. Okay. And did, did you have a relationship? Did you know the guys in Metallica at all? Oh, yeah. We had an apartment on Baker Street in London, and they were in the basement, so you could just imagine. I think oh. Scott Ian from Anthrax was there and a bunch of other people. And, um, of course, we were back and forth with Motorhead at their place, and um, it was crazy. We hung out a lot, but we didn't actually get to play together, which is pretty sad. Right, right. Well, again, Dan, great old stories, and I'm so glad that the original three, Dan Beeler, Alan Johnson, and John Ricci, are back together with Exciter. You guys have – have you done any shows yet? You did You did a show – no, I'm trying to think. Have you done shows yeah. yet? Yes, we did two shows in Brazil. Two shows um, in Brazil. I should know that. Yeah. With Dan Wilker and, Br- and Brutal Truth, it was a pretty heavy bill. And it went over great, and we're going to Japan in February, and then, of course, the New York City gig with the Rons in March. Excellent. And, you know, there's two days for this Defenders of the Old Festival in New York. Are you and the Rods playing on the same day, do you know? Yes, I think we are. I think we're playing the second day. Okay, which I believe I believe is the fifteenth of March. I'm not. I need to check that, but I, I think it's the fourteenth. I think maybe fourteenth. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, let's see. The festival is March thirteenth and fourteenth. Yes. At the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York, and it's the Exciter, the Rods, and all sorts of other great bands. High Spirits from Chicago. Destructor is playing the uh, band Riot, which is kind of a newer version of Riot, or at least it's not the original members, but it's uh, it's still going by the the name Riot. And uh, again, the one and only Exciter, their first show on U.S. soil since the 80s, 30 years ago. And you guys are going to be performing all the classics off the first three albums, correct? That's right. Yeah, for sure. All the... Uh... All the old Exciter classics, man. There's so much fun to play still, and uh, we can't wait. Excellent. I will be there. I hope to shake your hand and say hello. Great. Thanks, man. Um, we're pumped. We can't wait. It's going to be... Uh, that's where it started for us over at Lemoore's back in 83, so to go back there is pretty special for us too, man. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Beeler from Exciter. Thanks, Dan, and have a great night. You too, man. Thank you. See you in Brooklyn. Please. 
Cry of the Banshee by Exciter off of Heavy Metal Maniac going way back there. Great stuff. I hope to see you guys out at the concert in Brooklyn March 13th and 14th, 2015 at the Bell House, the reunion of Exciter. I'm going to turn off the justice for you so you can decide which one. Oh my gosh. Okay. Bing. Number one. That's winner. Winner. What, to the kids' show? Oh, yikes. Oh, my freaking God. Stop it. You're just going crazy. No, I'm dead serious. Sorry about that. I just got distracted. My wife showed me what she's going to be wearing to the kids' show tomorrow. Assuming we make it there. I'm uh, hoping my kids don't get sick because my... It's always a worry of mine, but I think we'll make it there. My mom's babysitting and oh my gosh, the dress my wife's going to wear to the kids' show. Just incredible. Good looking lady. I'm I'm lucky to be married to her, that's for sure. Anyways, on that note, here's a little kiss. This is Tears Are Falling, a song that I think they've been playing in the set out in Las Vegas. So hope to uh, hear it tomorrow night. Later, guys. <laughs> 